Welcome to Free Burn. This is Matt Ballard, your host. This is the podcast where we talk all things mental and behavioral health in the first responder community. Real life firefighters, police officers, EMTs and paramedics, clinicians, and doctors. It's time we have the real conversation and burn the stigma behind first responder mental health, one podcast at a time. And welcome back, folks. It's Matt Ballard, Freeburn 2023. Uh, today, we have Eric Stevenson with us from the um, First Responder Peer Support Network, also the All Clear Podcast. Glad to have you, brother. Thank you for having me, man. Good to see you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a little bit about Eric. Um, Eric Stevenson is the Executive Director of the First Response Peer Support Network located in the coast of North Carolina. 30-year vet of the fire service. He's worked as a firefighter paramedic lieutenant and recently retired as a shift captain so there's a lot more brother but i'm gonna let you catch up on that so just tell me a little bit more about the first response uh peer support network and and you so the first responder peer support network came about after my retirement um my retirement was not how i wanted to leave the fire service um mental health issues diagnosed severe complex PTSD, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideations, you know, mm-hmm. all the job related stuff that we never want to talk about. Um, and uh, after spending eight and a half weeks away from home, trying to get my mental health under control, um, I had to find a purpose bigger than myself to try to keep me going, keep me motivated every single day. Um, and there were not a whole lot of, of resources on the, the coast of North Carolina for mental health of first responders. Um, even though I, I had been involved in peer support, um, probably for about four years or so prior to starting my organization, Mm -hmm. um, didn't really have the resources around at home. Um, so I figured what better way to, to keep myself going, still keep me connected to the fire service than try to assist other first responders that might be going through some of the same things that I did. Um, so 2021, we actually got our, our official nonprofit status, our 501c3 um, was approved and, you know, we became that nonprofit and you know, it has taken off bigger than I could ever imagine. This year especially has been our, our biggest year uh, to date so far with being able to, to help our first responders. So extremely proud of the Absolutely, work that we dude, put into, awesome. into it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what all do y'all offer as far as through y'all's uh, um, program? A, a lot of what we do is just basic one-on-one peer-to-peer counseling. Um, you know, we do have a, okay. we have a website, you know, for, uh, frpsn.org gets you to our website and then you can, you can contact us through a chat. You can contact us through a, a 24 hour, um, manned line, you know, so you will be able to talk to a first responder anytime that you call us. Uh, but a majority of what we do is just one-on-one peer counseling. You know, somebody wants to be able to connect with somebody that's truly going to understand what they're going through. And that personal connection is absolutely humongous. Um, let that person know that they're not alone, validate what their feelings are, whether it's job related, whether it's non-job related, relationship, finances, whatever else, you pick that phone up, you're going to get somebody on the other end there that's going to listen to you. Um, Other things that that we do, 
clinical support. So we make a lot of a lot of clinical referrals to vetted first responder based clinicians. Uh, they have a background either as a first responder themselves or a background of working with first responders where they are trauma trained or at least at a minimum trauma informed of what the first responders are doing. Uh, so we do a pretty stringent vetting process for our clinicians. Very important. Uh, make sure, that, yeah, making sure that they're going to be a good fit for the first responder. Um, you know, we hear nightmare yeah, stories and I've, I've been a part of it myself. You sit there and you talk to a therapist that has no idea what we do and you start pouring your heart and soul out to them mm -hmm. and they're looking at you like, oh my gosh. And then our thought is, great, I've, I've given my, my therapist PTSD now from, from just sharing my story. Uh, <laughs> so we do, we do a lot of clinical sure. referrals. Um, treatment centers, we work with several different treatment centers up and down the the East Coast here um, that have first responder based programs. Um, so there again, we know that yeah. they're getting what they need, whether they need to dive into to EMDR or maybe it's uh, some pretty hot and heavy CBT or DBT uh, style treatments, you know, that are geared around the first responder community. Um, and again, it makes that first responder yep. feel comfortable when they're in that setting that they're around their own mm -hmm. people. So that that's absolutely humongous. Sure. Very important uh, to do that. Yeah, yeah. Crisis crisis intervention. Uh, that's something else that that we offer. You know, so departments that go to those critical incidents, uh, they can give us a call. We can come in. We can help them do hot washes. Uh, we can do crisis management briefings. Uh, get a gauge on what the situation is, and then if need be. Uh, try to get within that that seven to day seven to ten day wheelhouse time frame of maybe having to come in and do an actual mm -hmm. crisis crisis intervention uh with them after those critical incidents um we do a ton of training and education um so the department yeah. events you know if there's seminars, things like that, we try to we try to get to them as much as possible. Uh, offer a variety of different classes on basic first responder mental health, uh, how to take care of yourself, resiliency programs, how to start up a peer support program within your organization if you want, um, family and group classes. Uh, pretty much, if we don't have one already put together and you have a request, we're going to put something together to suit your needs. Um, and we find that that's yeah. one of the biggest ways to bring this to the forefront is advocate, advocate, advocate. And we do that through our educational programs and then community outreach in, and support style functions. Um, the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, you know, the Elks, Moose Lodges, whatever, if they're doing an event uh, and we can assist them, we try to whenever we can one that that helps them with with their functions and organizations but also brings brings light to what we're trying to do of advocate for first responder mental health so in a nutshell that those yeah. are some of the things that, that we cover as a peer team exactly what i want freeburn to become so my goal is to be able to yeah. do all of that stuff like right now you know we're doing podcasting and I go out and do speaking engagements for fire departments and stuff like that. I've talked about it on the podcast. 
or academies or whatever, just to try to get that awareness level out there and let them know that putting a face to it kind of thing, you know, that, Hey, it can't happen. And it does happen. So, you know, and you, with the you just mentioned something fire, fire service. Yeah. You just mentioned something really important the the academy style setting. And uh, that's something that we've been doing over the last couple of years is getting involved very early in these people's careers, you know, especially at young ages, very coming important. in at, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, um, really have no idea. Yep really what they're getting into. So we let them know that the job's not all rainbows and unicorns and you're going to see bad things. And the, the responses, those normal responses to abnormal situations and what are you going to do or how are you going to be able to manage those if, and when you're going to encounter them. Uh, so we try to jump into as many fire exactly academies right. as absolutely possible. Um, we just had a request from one of our, yeah. our local hospital here. Um, asking us to be a part of their, their crisis response team. Um, and we brought up talks about new hire orientation of their emergency room nurses and things like that. Um, and they were very open to that. So yeah, we're, awesome, we're looking man. forward to those types of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's not just people yeah, think cool, that it, it's firefighters, police officers. Uh, one that gets forgotten about a lot is the telecommunicators. You know, so we always include them. Absolutely. Um, but doctors, nurses, yep. they see bad things too. You know, just a different setting where they see it. Sure. It's not um, just us. So they can also have those negative. Yeah. yeah they can also have those. It's all the same impacts. stuff. Yeah. It really Absolutely. is. You sure can. That's awesome, dude. So the academies, man, is like that to me is where it's at right now for me. It's like, trying to get into the academies and, and uh, talking to these new recruits that are before they come out to the firehouses and um, making them aware, man, you know, and just the feedback that, that I've gotten alone uh, has been great, you know, and that's where, that's where it's yeah. going to have to, aff to affect the change, start there and then build out, oh. you know, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And the, you know, the first academy that we did, it was just going and asking, hey, can we have a, a short time slot to come in and just talk to the first responders about who we are and what we do? Um, and that just opened the doors. Yep. So the first one that we did, we had less than an hour. Um, and now we get requests on a pretty regular basis, anywhere from two hours up to a full eight hour day uh, where we can go in and talk to them about first responder yeah. mental health. It's huge. That's awesome, dude. I love it. Yeah, it's huge for real. You ever look at the um, the suicide rates? Do you, do you track the the numbers? Oh yeah, yes, pretty pretty regular. Yeah, where and, do you, where uh, do you get your where do y'all get I follow, your information from? I, f I follow Jeff Dill with um, the Firefighter yep. Behavioral Health Alliance out in Las Vegas. Yep. That's the, that's a yeah, man right there when it comes to, long ago. was he? I'll, I'll need to look that episode up. Um, yep. I've had the opportunity not to meet Jeff in person, but we've had several, uh, phone conversations of incidents that have taken place 
here locally in in North Carolina, surrounding counties of of where I'm at. Um, and Jeff does an amazing job with what he does. Dude, that guy's awesome. Yeah, I was very fortunate for him to come on and do the podcast. And you know, we watch that episode when you get a chance. But he kind of break into the moral injury stuff. I don't know if you've ever seen his white paper on the moral injury end of stuff, but yes, uh, it's on their website. So you can look it up there. It's there's something to it, man. Yeah, that moral injury stuff. You know, absolutely, Very there is. Um, yeah, Jeff Deal's a great guy. And we, yeah. We just dealt with, um, we went and did a, a crisis management briefing um, just a little over a week ago now. And there, it was just, mm-hmm. you know, plastered moral injury um, about that call everywhere. And that was our biggest concern. They said really? they had people struggling and then went, yeah. And then when I found out what the, what the nature of the call was, I was like, this is going to be more than just, the basic bad call. This is 100% moral injury sure. right here that your people are going to be dealing with. And sure yeah. enough, it, it was, um, but we, we got them taken yeah. care of. So I'm learning more and more about what it. We do. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome, dude. So yeah, let's, you want to, uh, you want to break into more of your personal journey and kind of let us know, uh, how it all began for you. You cool with that? Sure, man. Um, my journey started off like a, like a lot of other young, young people, you know, since I was knee high to a grasshopper, um, always had an infatuation with the fire department, uh, thought it was something that that was really cool. Um, and you know, I ended up being able to live out that dream of every little boy that they, they, at least once in their life, say, I want to be a fireman. And uh, I had the opportunity to do that. Got my start very early, uh, still in high school, running with a, a volunteer heavy rescue company up in New Jersey, uh, not too far outside of New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, moved down to North Carolina shortly after I graduated high school. Um, got involved immediately with the volunteer fire department. Uh, it was a combination department in the town that I lived in, and that led to me. Uh, pursuing it as a career. And so mid nineties, uh, I got my first paid job and that was with Atlantic beach fire department. Um, moving throughout my career, I had the opportunity to, to work at several different places, uh, several different municipal fire departments. And then, um, I did a short stint working federal fire, working DOD. Um, okay. Not my cup of tea. Uh, completely different when you're used to working municipal and then go and work in federal. Um, sure. And, you know, I had the opportunity to go back to the beach. And so I, I took that opportunity, um, back, um, for probably about 2000 and 2009 timeframe that I went back to the beach and that's where I ended up finishing mm-hmm. my career. Um, but really early on in my career, um, I had no idea what PTSD was. I had no idea what anxiety or depression really were. Um, but I knew that something wasn't right with me, you know, and I, mm-hmm. we talk about toxic people in the firehouse a lot. Um, you know, cultures in the firehouse, things like that, goods, bads, indifference, and the, 
the toxic people. Um, and I didn't really even realize that I was that toxic guy. Um, because I had no idea how to manage or yeah. really understand what was going on with me. Um, and that led to, that led to a lot of bad things, to be honest with you. Um, I am married, been married 18 years now, um, to an incredible woman that is also a retired first responder and, um, work created a lot of turmoil at home between the two of us, um, that we really had no idea what was going on, sure. but we were both miserable individuals. Uh, and I was the same way at work. It didn't make a difference mm -hmm. whether I was at work or I was at home. I was just pissed off all the time. I, I was a hateful individual. Um, and it was because I was unhappy with myself and I had no idea what was going on. Uh, so we fast forward, long story short, um, if you go onto our website, you'll see a, a memoriam uh, right on our front page. And that is to, to Chief Adam Snyder. Um, Adam was not yep, only my that. fire chief, but he, he was my, my best friend. Um, and Adam saved my life. Um, Adam started opening up to me about his personal struggles uh, with calls that we had both been on, mm -hmm. um, calls that he had been on without me. And he starts talking to me about anxiety, depression, fear of going on calls, not being able to sleep, nightmares, suicidal thoughts, everything else. And I was like, holy cow, how can this man, you know, six foot three, 240 pounds, who we referred to as our Superman, pretty much that nothing can bother this guy. He was a perfectionist mm -hmm. at everything. And how can, how can he be in this position? Um, and he confided in me as, as his best friend uh, to open up and start to share this. And I had no idea what to do with it, to be honest with you. Uh, looking back yeah. on it, probably the best thing I should have been able to do was just open up to him and say, hey, brother, I get it because I feel the same exact way. But I didn't. And I felt like I just needed to be there for my best friend and listen to, to him whenever he needed me to be there for him. Um, so I went along yep. this ride with Adam for like three years. Um, where he'd call me up at home or he'd call me in the office mm -hmm. at work and he'd break down and he'd start just unloading on me. Um, so now I was taking on his burdens as well. Um, not knowing that that yep. was unhealthy for me because I wasn't doing anything to help myself. Um, but I wanted to be there for my best friend. Sure. Um, and the thing that, that really pushed me over the edge, um, it got to a point where I, I didn't like who I was. I didn't like the fire service anymore. I uh, absolutely despised my job. I'd have an internal battle every single day. Uh, I used to be that guy that would show up 30, 40 minutes early every day, walk into the firehouse, hang out with the guys, go in the office, start to get my day going, whatever else. And I turned into that guy that would show up one to two minutes before shift change. Because I, I would have an internal battle with myself in the parking lot in the, of the fire station on whether or not I truly wanted to go into the firehouse or whether I was going to sit in the, in the truck and put a bullet in my head. And that's what I did every single, every single yep. shift. Yeah, and it, it was a miserable experience for, it, for me. That I sounds hated really myself. familiar. Yeah. 
and that story, that part of that story is all too familiar to a lot of people and they keep it buried down inside yeah. and it almost cost me my life. Um, yep. And even with Adam opening up and sharing with me, I never, I never opened up. Uh, Adam dragged me to my very first peer support class. Um, he said, come on, we're going to this <laughs> class. I was like, no, I'm not going. And I was voluntold. I didn't have a choice and I had to go. And in the class, they go around, yep. who are you? Why are you here? What are your interests in, in peer support? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I BS my way through it. You know, I'm here to support my best friend, you know, is what I said, even though I could relate yeah. to just about everything that was being said in that room that day, I wasn't being honest with myself. Um, and what really pushed sure. me over the edge was 2018 Hurricane Florence came blowing through mm -hmm. uh, the eastern part of North Carolina. Um, I'd been through a lot of natural disasters throughout my career, other major hurricane events, things yep. like that. But this one was different for me. Uh, we we're looking at potential category four storm making direct, direct landfall in Carteret County. Um, and it was the first major storm that my wife and I had been together since since we'd been married, um, that we'd been through. Um, and I was scared to death. I didn't think that we were going to survive this storm. And it, it really pushed me over the edge um, to the point where I... I had an attempt at taking my life the morning before I was supposed to report to work. Um, Adam, I made Dang, a phone brother. call and I, and I called Adam and Adam mm -hmm. came and saved my life that morning. Um, he protected me throughout that storm. Um, he said, I don't know how, but we're good. We're going to be okay. And I took his word for it and we were. Yeah. Um, and that's, that was my first, step of opening up, asking for help. Um, and Adam, Adam paved the way for me. Um, yeah. so for the next six months after that, I was still a miserable individual. Uh, but I felt like I had somebody that could truly understand what was going on. Um, even though my wife was a first responder, right. we couldn't really relate on the same level. Um, not like Adam and I could. Uh, and so for the next six months, you know, sure. Adam, whenever I reported to work, the first 30, 45 minutes of my day consisted of sitting in the office with Adam. And it was Eric Adam time. It wasn't chief to captain. It was making sure that we were both okay, pretty much doing a buddy check. Um, and March of 2019, we did that for six months. And on in March of 2019, um, we lost Adam in a, in a tragic skiing accident. Um, he took a, a vacation yeah. one weekend, him and his son, and Adam had a horrific accident and I ended up losing my best friend. The department lost a, a yeah. huge pillar, uh, our leader and the, the community lost a great individual. Uh, but I was absolutely devastated. Um, and that put me in a, in a horrible tailspin, um, had no idea what to do with it. And, um, yeah, I ended up seeking some help. Um, 
had no idea what to do, but I knew I needed to do something because I, I didn't like what my, what my possibilities were. Uh, I thought that I was destined to one of two things that right. I was living a life of absolute misery or I was going to die by my own hands. And I didn't like either one of those options. Um, and so I, I took it upon myself, right. um, to ask for help. I was still seeking help through therapy, but that's why it's so important. Like we talked about early, earlier of having vetted clinicians, um, really what I was yes. doing with my, with my therapist was talk therapy. We weren't dealing with any of my trauma. Yeah. You know, we weren't dealing with any of the loss, mm -hmm. the grief, the anxiety, the suicidal thoughts. It was just going in once a week, sitting down and just having a release. Um, we were not actually getting to the root cause of what my problems were. Um, so still having yeah. my suicidal thoughts, I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. We're not getting, we're not making a whole lot of forward progress, even though that therapist did serve a, a huge part of my life. She helped keep me alive. You know, that's mm -hmm. what I needed at that particular sure. point, but we weren't actually resolving problems. Um, so we did find a treatment yeah. center. Um, I went to the USP program at Brattleboro in Brattleboro, Vermont. Um, I spent six and a half weeks up there, felt great, learned a lot of things about myself that I had lost complete track of. Um, Self-identification. Yeah, I self-identified as a job for so long that I lost track of who I was as a person. Everything was a job to me. You I know, know how that is. Breathe, ate yep. it, you know, days on, days off, mm -hmm. it didn't make a difference. Fireman, 24 hours a day, I had no separation. I didn't know how to separate it. I thought that was normal. Sure. Uh, and when I went to Vermont, they showed me a lot of things. They they reintroduced me to who I was, um, that I had forgot that I was a husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forgot that I was a provider for my wife. Yep. And contrary to who you might talk to, I'm a genuine, kind-hearted individual. And I'd lost all track of that. And, <laughs> yeah. and while I was there, yep. I, I realized something very important. I made the second toughest decision in my life. First hardest decision was actually admitting I had a problem and that I needed help and that I couldn't solve this problem on my own. Um, yeah. And my second hardest decision was to walk away from the fire department. You know, the, I didn't see yeah. a way for me to continue to continue to heal and recover from my previous traumas if I was still subjecting myself to the same trauma that got me there in the first place. Um, I know a lot of people that have been successful yeah. in the recovery process so and still on the job. How many years? Did, yeah. How how many, how many years, years did I have at that did point? Did you have in when you when you walked away? Yeah. Twenty five when I walked away. Yep. Twenty five years okay. when I walked away total. Yeah. Um, and so I I do know people that that are still on the job, still have some of the same diagnosis that I do, uh, and they're they're very successful. Um, I didn't see that. Um, in my future and that the best decision that I could make for my, for myself and for my family was to give up my career. Sure. Um, and there's, yeah, I don't regret the decision. There, I've questioned the decision, but you know, do I regret it? Absolutely not. Um, 
because I've been able to do things in that process to help other first responders as well. Um, my retirement was not as easy as, as I thought it was going to be. Um, ended up in, in just shy of a two year lawsuit with several different entities in, in the North Carolina government, um, trying to get a medical disability granted for PTSD and psychological traumas. Um, it was horrible. <laughs> it was not an easy task uh, to get yeah. that done, which put me in another downward spiral, um, put me in some of the worst depression I've ever been in. Um, that was right around the, the 20, 2020 timeframe of COVID when it first reared its ugly head. Um, and so there was COVID and then the lawsuit, self-isolation, you know, you name it. And it put me in some of the worst depression I'd ever been in. And um, I was having dinner with my wife one night and she says, I look up at her and I could see tears welled up in her eyes. And she just looks at me. And she says, do you think it's time to go back? And I just had this huge relief come over me. Like, thank God. I said, how long have you known? She said, I've known for a while. I said, why didn't you say anything? She said, better question is, why didn't you say anything? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you yeah. know, and you name it, you could put every check in the box of why I didn't want to say anything, especially the second time. I felt like a failure. I felt like I, I had let myself down. I felt like I had let my wife down. Um, I had been somewhere. It didn't quote unquote fix me. Uh, and really what it was, it was a combination of a whole lot of things. Uh, I had quit doing my self care. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't doing what I needed yep. to every day to maintain. Um, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. Um, and it was miserable. So I ended up going back to Vermont. Uh, the USP program had shut down during COVID and they never reopened. But some of the some of the therapists that were there, some of the counselors, mm -hmm. they ventured out on their own and they started Frontline Foundations in North America, which is in Bellows Falls, Vermont. Um, and I just had a conversation one day. Uh, I got a cold call from one of my therapists just checking in on me from up there. And I let her know. I said, I, I'm not doing mm -hmm. well. I've relapsed really bad and I'm looking for somewhere else to go. And she says, well you're in luck. And I'm glad that I called you today. We opened up frontline. And, uh, if you want to come back up, come on back up. And, um, they treated me for two, two and a half weeks for free. It's funny how that happened. Uh, didn't it? Treated. Yes. It, and I don't believe in, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe that things happen for a certain reason. Um, no, I don't either. Brother. And I believe, and I, yeah. <laughs> I believe that that phone call was meant to be that day. Um, so I ended up going back. Yeah. Uh, it was a year to the day that I had been there. Um, and off I go back to Vermont. And that was my, my two-week tune-up, as I refer to it as. Uh, and things really sunk into yeah. me my second time there. Uh, and I came back and I hit yep. the ground running. Uh, I learned... While I was there the second time, I learned how to how to set personal boundaries for myself, and that was huge. That was a huge key in my recovery. Yeah. That, so the first the first time, time that you went through, 
yeah, the first time you went through, did you do any type of EMDR therapy? Not up there. I had tried EMDR back at home uh, before I went to Vermont, mm-hmm. and I had a horrible experience with it. Uh, and later on down the road, uh, I found really? out that we really, yes. Um, my first EMDR session, uh, I walked it out, walked out of that office feeling 10 times worse than when I had walked in and contemplated killing myself in the truck in the parking lot after that appointment. It was a horrible experience. For wow, bro. Uh, and later on down the road, what we found out was that, <clears throat> excuse me, I did not do true EMDR. Uh, what they did was uh, reimagination okay. exposure therapy with me, um, which compounded. We didn't yep. do any resourcing. They didn't give me any skills, nothing like that. Um, and it was it was a bad experience for me. Um, here recently, over the last Man, nine or that. ten months, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was bad. It put a bad taste in my mouth. Never discouraged other people, though, from giving it a try. Because, you know, just because it didn't work for me doesn't mean it doesn't work for somebody sure. else. Uh, but there was no way I was ever going to go back and do it uh, until I met the number two ranked trauma yep. therapist in North Carolina. Um, and he he explained the EMDR process to me, um, the seven different steps, the seven different phases of it. This is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to work, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest with you. It is, it has changed my life. Um, this therapist has done things yep. in the last nine months that my previous therapist could not accomplish in over four and a half years. Um, so it, it's been amazing. Yeah. Um, we've, we don't do a whole lot of, of EMDR processing anymore, uh, because we, we have a lot of that under control through now doing a lot of cognitive behavioral health sessions. Um, I know how to CBT on my own at home and how to manage and how to mitigate and how to resolve and how to, how to maintain, uh, self-regulate things like that. Um, it's been a, sure. It's been quite an adventure. Um, and I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, would I do another, another 25, you know, 25 years on the job, would I do it again? Um, and at first the answer was no, absolutely not. No way I'd, I'd put myself through that ever again. Um, but now, because I can think clearly, um, I spend most of my time in the, the frontal cortex of my brain now instead of the limbic system of my brain. And yes, absolutely, I, I would do it again. Yep. Um, and there would be a ton of changes. Yeah. Talking. Sure. That's the big one. Talk about those yep. calls. Doesn't make a difference. That's the we don't most wear important big, one. Yeah. Dude, we we don't wear a big S on our chest. We don't have a cape hanging out the back of our turnout coat. You know, we're not superhuman. We hurt just like everybody else. We have feelings just like everybody else. Talk about what's going on. You know be honest about it and talk about it. Yeah. And so, yes, I would do it again. And those would yep. be my, my biggest changes right there. Yeah. I don't know if you've had a chance to uh, watch my podcast, my personal ones, the very first one, but 
man, very similar stuff. I went through it twice. Uh, the first time that I went through it, um, very similar to you. It was like, I went to a counselor and it saved me at that time. Right. But I'd never really dealt with, right. uh, I think I did four sessions with her. Uh, didn't deal with the core issues. Right. And then, you yeah. know, fast forward to, what was it? I guess about four years later, I'd been on medicine too. So my medicine stopped working and then, you know, I did a med switch, which kind of messed me up too. Um, but then I found another counselor, vetted counselor, started doing um, cognitive behavioral therapy with her and then EMDR therapy and uh, changed my life, man. I mean, it really did. It, yeah. And it, it is, it, it's amazing that what it can do when it's done correctly, you know, it it can yep. and it will save lives. Um, you mentioned your your department not not having resources. We field a lot of those calls where we'll get a phone call. Hey, my department doesn't have EAP, or you know, I've gone and talked to my chief and they don't know what to do with me. They don't know of any counselors, whatever else. Um, we set ourselves up for failure in the fire service in emergency services is in yep. general of, you know, we teach you how to do the job. We teach you every aspect of the job, you know, firemen, we teach you how to fight fire. We teach you how to do searches, you know, police officers, you know, how to write tickets, do traffic stops, you know, how to arrest people, you know, you name it. We teach you every aspect of the job, but what we don't teach you is what to do with it after your shift is over. You know, or after you encounter that bad call, what are you yep. going to do with this? Uh, you know, why don't we teach that? And that's why what we mentioned earlier of getting into the fire academies and, um, you know, hitting them early with this, that it's okay. And also departments not having anything in place, you know, no health and wellness when it comes to the mental health side of it. Yeah. Everything's physical health. You got to eat right. You got to work out, you know, this and that. But. What do we have in place when we do encounter those bad calls? Do we have those resources? You know, do we have vetted clinicians that if we have somebody coming and saying, Hey, I'm struggling with this call from six months ago and I can't sleep at night. Okay. More than likely, we're not going to be able to resolve yep. that just sitting down talking about it. You know, why don't these departments and these organizations have this stuff already in place? We're very reactive. We're not very proactive when it's coming to this stuff. Yep. And, you know, I always like to tell people we're, mm -hmm. we're good at helping others, but we suck at taking care of ourselves most of the time. And we need to be better. We truly do. That's 100% true. And yep. You, yep. You, you look at the life expectancy of a paramedic, you know, nationwide, you know, the career lifespan of a paramedic, you know, seven to 10 years. And it's more towards the lower end of that. Yeah. Did they come in and they're, they're just getting hammered, hammered, yep. hammered, and they'll get burnt out or they'll have PTSD or it'll lead to a, a substance abuse issue, divorce, suicide, whatever. Um, we got to make sure we're taking care of our people. They're mm -hmm. not robots. No. Yeah, we struggle with Absolutely. that every day. Um, and that's why we do what we do. We fight and we advocate yeah. every day. Our program. We've, we uh, finally got our program up and running, our peer support program through our department and uh, our oversight is through the readiness group. I've talked a little bit about them 
on uh, um, other episodes, but awesome group helped us tremendously. They do all of our oversight, our training, everything. And just to have that program mm-hmm. there and being utilized now by different guys, it's been, it's been amazing, dude, just to see the difference, you know, and we still have a long way to go, but now we have those resources there and available, you know, so yeah. getting better every day. And that, that is, that's, that's humongous, man. And it, you know, you got to crawl before you walk and you got to walk before you run, you know? And so those little wins right there, knowing that you yep. have people that are utilizing those resources, that's fantastic. You know, my, the individual, you know, the peer groups that I'll hold every once in a while are, are peer group meetings. Um, I actually need to organize one. Haven't had one in quite a while, but, um, you know, I'll have anywhere from one to 10 people show up. You know, we hold them in a neutral location. You can come in, mm-hmm. you can talk about whatever you want. It's a confidential, safe environment. Um, and you'd be amazed yep. when we get people come in and they'll, they'll look and say, oh my gosh, what are you doing here? You know, recognizing people, <laughs> yeah. you know, from other departments, other agencies, whatever else. And it's like, man, I, I've been coming to these for, you know, this is my fourth one. This is my 10th one. This is, this is my first one. And it's like, wow, you know, I would have never expected to see you at, at one of these meetings. Well, guess what? I, I didn't expect to see you either, but come on in, sit down and let, let's have fun tonight. Um, and yeah. I've got one, I've got one individual that I call old, old faithful. Um, and he's asked me before because it's been just <laughs> me and him sitting in, sitting in a room mm-hmm. and he'll ask the question, why do you keep holding these meetings? If nobody shows up, I said, well, you showed up, you know, just one person. That's yep. all I need. Yeah. And I know that I'm making a difference in what I do. So keep coming, <laughs> keep telling What's your about? friends, keep inviting yep. them. Exactly. So that's awesome that you guys got yeah. those resources and people are using them yeah, because that that's one of the biggest things that yeah. we fight it's that uh, stigma attached with it. I'm okay. Yeah. That's, that's what it's maybe all about, not. dude. Yep. And I guarantee you there's a lot more out there that are struggling that just don't want to step up because of that stigma. And that's, you know, that's exactly why I do what I do with Freeburn is just putting a face to it yeah. saying, Hey guys, it, it's real. It can happen to you. It, it can reach up and bite you in the butt before you know it. And when it gets a hold of you, man, it's scary as hell. And uh, we're there, you know, just to help y'all get through it. I mean, we're not clinicians, but we know them. We know clinicians that can help you. We got them. They're vetted. Let's let's get you to the right people and get you some help as, as soon as possible, you know. And uh, yeah, that's what it's all about the, for me, the, man, for sure, 100%. Having that lived experience sometimes is better than – than having a credential or a bunch of initials before or after your name, you know, that relatability. I agree with you hundred percent of somebody, um, you know, that, that is absolutely yeah. huge. You know, that there, there's nobody better mm-hmm. to talk to than somebody that's walked down that path already or is still possibly on that path and you can relate to them. Yep. They can validate your, your experience. They can validate your feelings. And hopefully what they can do is offer you some hope. You know, when you get to that point where you yep. feel like there is nothing there, they can offer that little bit of light, that little bit of hope. And that might be just what that individual needs to keep on going that day. 
So I'm yep. I'm extremely thankful yep. God for organizations works in like yours and what we've been able to do. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely, man. Yeah. 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 That's good stuff, dude. Like, yeah, you just got to keep on keeping on. I took a little small break there, and I still go to therapy. You know, I still do it and because I see mm-hmm. the value in it, and it helps me uh, have good days and I have bad days. You know, it's just the way way life is. But, um, yeah, my passion's here, man. I'm not going to stop. I just got I, I got to keep pushing forward, you know. And uh, like yeah. you said, just that one person. If you can just get a hold of that one person, if, that's what it's about. If we don't advocate for it, nobody else is going to. Um, you know, so, yeah, mm-hmm. the people with the lived experiences, with the, the pasts, with the the positive outcomes of, of re- the recovery journey. Um, those are the ones that, that are going to make a true impact on, on the people that are struggling that might be a little, little hesitant or nervous or scared to, to speak up. You know, I used to be ashamed of, of my story. Um, you know, my therapist in a town where, you know, I know a lot of the people in that town and I would park two blocks away on the back side of the building and yeah. go in through the back door because I I was embarrassed if anybody saw me going into that office. Now yeah. I can go talk at at seminars. I can go talk at local fire departments. I can go wherever and you know sit here on a podcast with you. Uh we've had one phone conversation prior to this and it's like, yeah. Why? Yep. Because I know that we're doing good things by, by doing it. And if we don't, yep. people might suffer. So I, I always tell people sure. that I recover out loud for the people that suffer in silence now. You know, that that's one way for me to hopefully me, be able to, to reach somebody and help them. You know, so, yep. yeah, man. Yep. I, I love the I'm, I'm willing to carry that. It's going to help right some here. other guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I want to dive. I want to dive into something real quick. Um, whenever you retired, and then you you did the, what did you did you go through the workers' comp? Is that what you did? I did or go through workers' compensation. Is that what it was? Yes, and then I I was picked up under workmen's compensation first, um, and then after I returned back from Vermont the first time. Um, I decided that I was going to file for medical disability retirement uh, because I was clinically diagnosed, yep. things like that, uh, and that's that's where things took a took an ugly turn. But uh, we came out on top. Yeah. So, <laughs> like Texas, I know in Texas they have laws written in for workers' comp stuff, and um, mm-hmm. you know I don't really know a lot of people or I've heard of a lot of people, firefighters or police officers that have done uh, medically retired, you know, under disability. And I know that that's a, the ones that I've heard of, it's been a challenge, you know? Yes. So that's something else, like what needs to change, you know, to make that, you know, if, if, if a dude needs that or, you know, a brother or sister needs that, you know, is it going to be a constant battle from, from here out or, are there things that we need to change to, to, to make that happen? You know, I don't know. I don't know what the and answers that, are. That, that does need to change and it, it needs to change at the legislative level. Um, 
that, you know, when I went through the process, uh, workman's comp did not want to pick me up at first. Um, you know, not a trip, slip or fall, you know, not a trip, slip or fall. We're not going to pick you up for, for PTSD or, or whatever else, uh, no anxiety, no depression. And really what it came down to the way I was perceiving it was that I did not have a visible injury. You know, my injury was all inside. It was in my body. It was in my, in my mind. Um, and it was still an injury though. Um, and that was hard, you know, going through my, through my process, since my process, uh, North Carolina now has a, a state bill in place for workman's comp and first responders that you're now covered for, um, PTSD, psychological, behavioral health injuries, uh, they can be proven job related, yep, which same is Texas. absolutely fantastic. Yep. Um, you mm-hmm. know, so we still fight with it every once in a while though. Um, I had somebody not too long ago, you know, tell me that they were going through the process and that workman's comp was not going to pick them up, um, for their PTSD claim. And it was like, well, here you go. You need to look this up and whoever is assisting you with your paperwork, you need to give them this. And, um, so we're still fighting an uphill battle, um, benefits of being able to medically retire. Um, you know, they need to be there if that's the case, you know, our injury, just because it's not visible does not mean that it, it's not a career ending disability sometimes, um, career ending injury sure. sometimes. Yep. Um, and if it's needed, it needs to be in place for these individuals that have put their life into this profession. You know, they, they have poured their, their life into this job and to, to be turned, turned away or turned down of benefits that should be able to, to be provided to them needs to be there. And the only way that we can do that is to fight, you know? So if you have first responder legislative days, you you need to, you need to attend, you need to be talking to your congressman, you need to be talking to your senators, your representatives, local government, state level, you know, get the ball rolling anyway, be that thorn in their, in their side. Um, Yeah. That might be what yeah. what needs to happen. You know, they always say that the the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So be that squeaky wheel. You know, yep. Make it happen. Make a difference. <laughs> yep, hundred percent. Sure. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, I know we got a lot of work to do. You know, the advocates out there. Um, I think it's getting better, but we're not there yet. I mean, you look at the numbers on Jeff Deal's website, and they're you know they're steadily climbing every day and i hate it right you know but yes we just got to keep on keeping on man and we can't quit you know it's just that's right brothers and sisters out there need to know that they have avenues besides suicide and um just got to keep going man keep plugging for sure that's right and uh keep going that's uh I try to make a Facebook post every day on our, our social media page, the first responders peer support network page. Um, and yep. the, 
the bottom line on every one of my every one of my posts is we're here for you. Keep going. You know, you have to keep going. You know, you mentioned yeah. good days, bad days. Um the positive mindset of that that I I try not to have bad days anymore. You know, some days that's easier than others, but I yeah. I refer to the the tough situations as speed bumps now throughout my day. Um and it does make a difference how sure. big that speed bump is. I'm not going to let it, I'm going to try my hardest not to allow it to ruin the rest of my day. Um, you know, figure out what yeah. it was that caused that, that particular feeling or whatever else. And the only way I've been able to do that is through self-care and through seeking mental health, professional mental health help. Um, and, yep. you know, I can have one speed bump or I can have 10 speed bumps throughout my day. But I try not to have mm -hmm. bad days anymore. Yeah, it's not worth it to me. Yeah, no. I want to be happy. I'm right there with I you. I spent, I spent so much yeah. of my life being unhappy and being miserable that I'm not going to let. Oh man, I, I missed a truck payment, or oh my gosh, the dog was supposed to be to the vet 45 minutes ago, and I missed that appointment. Guess what? Yep, I can make another appointment. You know, I can call and ask for grace yep, the important on, things in life. on having a late payment, you know, and yep. I try to be happy now as much as absolutely possible. And yeah, I, I just turned 50 years old over the summer. I don't know how many more days that I have left. Uh, hopefully it's a <laughs> bunch and I'm going to make the most yep. of them, you know, whether it's just one more or I got a hundred more, you know, a hundred more years ahead of me. I, I don't know. But I'm I'm gonna make the best out yep. of every single one of them, and to me, it's it's not worth being unhappy. Yeah, I learn every day, man. I had you know I shared with you that, that I just got over COVID a few weeks back, and man, just that right there alone kind of set me back a little bit, and you know, mental health wise, and it was just like so much other stuff came back from when I had, when I was out for the four or five months during that COVID period of time. So it kind of brought some stuff Dude. back for me. And um, yeah, I just thought, I just said, you know what, it's, I got to take a break for a little bit. So took a break from podcasting, hopped back into therapy and uh, it's exactly what I needed to do. And now I'm back on track and I feel awesome, you know? So uh, being able to let those setbacks that. hold on to me for very long anymore. Yeah. Yep. You know, and being able to recognize it, Okay, that that's that's half the mm -hmm. that's half the problem right there, right? You know, we've recognized it. Now what do we need to do to yep. change it? And we've got two choices. Mm -hmm. You know, we can either do something or we can do nothing. If we de decide to do something, you know, I always break it down to to wise or unwise decisions. You know, what what's going to be best for this particular situation right here? Healthy versus unhealthy. Um and you you yep. take whatever that course of action is going to be, but do something. Um, and having those those little setbacks, it's amazing how fast this stuff can creep back up on us if we are not staying on top of it. You know, it's every single day. Yep. Self care routine. You know, any type mm -hmm. of recovery, whether it's mental health, whether it's addiction, whether it's substance abuse, whatever. The key to recovery is routine. And if we don't have a good daily yep. routine, that's what set me back the first time. 
was that I had quit doing my self-care. I thought yep. I was okay. And before I knew it, one day led into two days of not doing self-care. Two days led into three days. Three days led into two weeks. And next thing I know, now I'm back up to my eyeballs at the snap of a finger that quick. And, oh, my gosh, I sure. cannot. Yep. I cannot recover out of this tailspin on my own right now. Um, so routine, routine, routine. I've got a daily routine I do every single day. And yep. I I feel that quote unquote disturbance in the force when I <laughs> when I don't do my self-care. Yeah. So yep. I, I make sure that I'm on That's top awesome of it stuff, every day. Dude. Yeah, you ha it's very yeah. important. Yep. Yeah. Very important to do that. So. to be there. Well, man, wrapping up, um, what is one thing that you can add for somebody that's going through these struggles? Like one very important thing that you can add. Reach out. Reach out to somebody. I don't care who it is. It can be your spouse. It can be your best friend. It can be the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus. I don't care. Reach out, make yep. a phone call, go sit down and talk with somebody. Um, it might not be easy. And I, I know that firsthand, you know that firsthand, but it could be the one thing that truly changes your life and starts to turn your life around. Do not be afraid to, to open up and to talk. Ask for help. It's there, non-judgmental. And it can change your life. I agree with you 100%. Thank you. It changed mine. It, it yep. was probably one of the hardest things that that I had to do. Didn't have to do, but but what I did. And I learned more about myself. I learned more about people. I became a father again. I became a husband again. I became a firefighter again. It was life-changing for me. You know, it was the hardest Absolutely. thing I've ever been through. And but and now, man, now looking out, back at that's it, the first step. When you when you look back at it, do you ever ask yourself, man, why did I wait so long? Why oh, did it take I me do. so long? Yeah. Why did it take me so long to ask for help? Um Yeah. I do that. Let and me tell then, you what it was for me. Mm-hmm. It was not understanding it, man, like not understanding what I was going through, you know, because just didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, why was I feeling like this? And that's why I think being an advocate like me and you are doing, you know, and going out and letting people know whether it's through academies or fire departments or wherever, wherever we can get get out and speak about this stuff. And bringing it to the forefront and saying, hey. It's real. It can happen to you. And if it does, don't be afraid to, to step up. Don't be afraid to step out and ask for help. You know, it's not a weakness. Um, a lot of people perceive it like that, but it's probably one of the strongest things you can do as an individual. I was just going to say those exact words. Yep. And, you know, that, that not understanding, you know, not understanding what's going on with, with yourself, you know, our job, you know, is based around chaos most of the time. 
you know, going yep. and handling these situations, these jobs that we go to, uh, it's around chaos and we're problem solvers. And when we can't solve a problem mm -hmm. within ourselves, that's completely foreign to us, you know, but yep. that loss of control, you know, what do I do? I feel like I have no control over my, my emotions, my thoughts, my behaviors, whatever. Um, that's scary. And we perceive everything at that point as a threat. Yeah. And that's the mindset yep. that we're in. And what do we, what do we do? We try to power through, we try to push through and I'm, I'm going to be okay. You know, no, you're not, you know, break down that barrier, you know, take that mask off, let people see who you truly are, what you're truly going through and show some vulnerability. I don't know what to do. I'm to a point yeah. where I have no idea what to do. I need help. Please help me. You yep. know, mayday training. We teach everybody in the fire service when, where, how to call a mayday, the reason behind it and everything sure. else. Call that mental mayday. Mm -hmm. Here it is. I, I've met a parameter. Here it is. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm having nightmares. Ding, ding, ding ask for help, <laughs> you know, mayday, mayday, Dude, I mayday. Love that. that is awesome. You know, I, I love the way you put that. I, I need help and we don't. Yeah. And Dude, unfortunately awesome. we end up losing a lot of people every single year because of. If I use that, help. I won't say Eric Stevens told me that and he <laughs> let me use it. All right. <laughs> man. The, yeah. It, it's sad, man. It really is, uh, but I'm yeah. I'm very thankful for everything that I've I've been able to experience throughout my career, um, the opportunities, the great opportunities that have been afforded to me because of my struggles, because yep. of what a, I went through, being able to to head up this peer team, having great people on the team with me that support what I'm doing my supportive wife, um, being able to start the all clear podcast, you know, partnered up with the North Carolina firefighter cancer Alliance. And all we do is talk about firefighter health and wellness. You know, it's like, yep, man, this awesome. is great. You know, the phone rings every single day of somebody wanting to connect with us, yep. you know, on the peer level. And it's like, yes, we're, we're doing good things. And it, it's worth those, yeah. those struggles, those rough times, the rough patches, whatever else. At the end of the day, though, I know I can lay my head down every single night and know that I've done good things. And to me, that makes it all, yeah. everything I've been through makes it all worth it to me. Yep. But well, dude, um, it's a privilege for me to know you now. And to be able to call you a friend and a and a coworker, however you want to say it, you know, uh, use me Appreciate as a resource that, here in Texas, man. If you ever need me, uh, I'll definitely, Absolutely. you know, be using y'all. You know, we're trying to get spread out as much as we can, but and just try to help as many. And I know y'all are doing the same thing, so it, it's it's good yeah. to know that there's other guys out there that have the same passion. And um, yeah, I love it, man. Thank you for waiting. Well, you know, for as long as you did for to, to get on the podcast, I know I took a little bit off, but I'm glad you were willing to come back and 
and hop yeah, on. Man. I think it's very our, exciting for me. I think our first phone call was about two months ago or so. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate the opportunity. This has been absolutely amazing. And uh, just yeah. reiterate the same things that you said, you know, definitely consider your brother and you guys keep fighting a good fight. You know, keep up what you're doing. Yeah. You're doing good things. You're going to change and save people's lives, man. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, uh, I appreciate would you that, mind? Dude. Yeah. Would you mind if I, uh, if I threw some contact information out there about the team? If people absolutely would like to get brother. in touch yes, with us, yes, please do it. Um, yeah. If yes, if anybody absolutely. that's listening would like to to contact our team or contact me personally, it is First Responders Peer Support Network. Uh, you can find us on on social media. We have a Facebook page, um, but our our twenty four hour assistance number eight three 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 seven 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 six four eight. And our email address is info at frpsn.org. So please, awesome, dude. if you've had any thoughts of wanting to talk to somebody or been hesitant in wanting to talk to somebody, please reach out to us. Uh, we can, yep. we can point you in the right direction. We'll be that, that listening ear for you. Um, and we're here for you. So we want to see everybody be, yeah have a hep, happy and healthy career. So please don't hesitate in reaching out to us if need be. I appreciate the time, Matt. Love it's it. Been, uh, it has been terrific. Dude, I love it. I will put all that information in on, uh, on the podcast too, is um, under the footer with all the other information. Sounds in there. good. So make sure that that's in there. Um, awesome, brother. Yeah. Like I say, every podcast, man, if there's anybody out there that is struggling, you know, having suicide ideations, you know, whatever it may be, if you're struggling with mental health stuff, man, and you're just having a hard time, uh, nine, eight, eight is a suicide prevention in lifeline. Um, or call us, yep. you know, reach out through our social media, you know, um, we're here. We'll try to find you the help. We will find you the help. If we, if we don't know personally, we're going to get you to the right people. Um, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out, man. I'm telling you, it's life changing. Um, the struggle's real, and you can get through it. There is hope out there. I'm telling you, you got two guys sitting right here on this podcast that have been in that valley, deep valley, sometimes. And yes, like sir. Now, I mean, it can happen. I've seen it too many times, man. People pull through, and then they're, you know, on the other side of it, it's 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 great. Not saying that you might not have struggles sometimes. You you still may have struggles, but you get the tools to be able to work through those struggles. And that's, what's the most important part of it. And just right. knowing people are out there and care and, uh, yeah, we're willing to help you in any way that we can. So brother Eric, man, I appreciate you, dude. Let's yes, sir. Touch. Thank you, Matt. And, uh, yes. Yeah. Resource, yeah, we'll get off, of, resource off of each other. Yeah, absolutely, bro. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Me too. All right, dude. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, all righty. Have a blessed holidays and we'll be talking. Thank you. You too. Yes, sir. All right. See you folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Freeburn 2023 podcast. If you or somebody, you know, is in crisis, reach out to the suicide crisis lifeline at nine eight eight. Or if you're looking for counseling resources, contact us at freeburn2023 at gmail.com. We'll do our best to get you where you need to be. 
Let's keep burning that stigma one podcast at a time.